You're listening to the Burgundy Blogcast, presented by the Burgundy Blog and hosted by Sports Channel 8. In this week's episode, Brent gets turned on by what he saw in Week 2 from Kirk Cousins and others. It was good. I mean, he, he just kind of, quote, played within himself, I guess. You know, he did what he was supposed to do. But Matt Jones, dang, yeah, he looked, he looked sexy. Plus, we talk about David Amerson's release, what potential coaches think of working for the Redskins, and we discuss if some wins mean more than others. You know, let's make another important distinction. I feel that way largely as a function of being a Redskins fan, where we usually don't play for meaningful uh, <laughs> end-of-season end titles. That's true, too. Okay? So, that's like, true, too. I have to talk myself into, like, a reason to, to, you know, a way to justify the hours upon hours I spend watching a 3D team. All of that and more on the Burgundy Blogcast. As a fan, were you more in love with Kirk Cousins' stats at the end of the game or, or Matt Jones? Oh. Was it all oh, Matt Jones? Oh. Was it like we've got a piece of a winning team in Matt Jones now? Was that major, the feeling going through? Major, yeah, major love fest for Matt Jones. Yeah, he looked, he looked awesome. I mean, Cousins, uh, yeah, so he was, what, 23 or 27? He had 80. His, he, he threw for 85% Everything you want. I mean, everything you want. Yeah. It was good. I mean, he, he just kind of quote, played within himself, I guess. You know, he did what he was supposed to do. But Matt Jones, dang, yeah, he looked, he looked sexy. Not only the stats, but just the way he looked doing it led you to believe this is real. This isn't just a good game yeah. or a good day or a bad day for them or a good day for our edge of the line. This guy's a man, right? He's a really interesting case because, you know, they picked him, they drafted him in the late third, and, and almost everybody thought it was a reach. Uh, he barely did, He's a, you know, Pretty somewhat reputable recruit in the SEC, but like didn't really do anything at Florida. There were some reasons, probably including that Florida's offense and quarterback were terrible while he was there. And then he also had like a weird illness at one point, lost a bunch of weight. He had some injuries, so he was like a pretty well kept secret. Were you this on him? Have you raised your bar on Matt Jones, or is this like what you were hoping for? Where? What is this? What is, Honestly, I, I was aware of him as a prospect, and I thought, you know, like when they picked him, I didn't think it was brutal. I just kind of objected only because, I, you know, I think like most people figured that he would have been available later. Like he probably could have waited a full round or even two and, and thought, you know, that you'd have gotten him. But, but then again, that's a total – that's a total fan thing where it's like you read enough like draft nicks and you're like, oh, dude, this this guy's like a – He's a fifth-round pick. He's Absolutely. Totally in the third. You know, I'm with I, you on that. So it's possible that 10 GMs right behind him or, you know, on, on the first pick of day four would have been him. So, I don't know. He sure is, like, legitimizing it now. I mean, yeah, he looks awesome. He's fast. He's huge. He's strong. He runs super hard. He's also kind of, like, weirdly laterally agile for his size, though. I mean, he looks great. Yeah, uh- Okay, now a couple things. One, I laugh when you talk about you know the draft next talk about reaching or where he should have gone. And we, we used to joke when it, when when Babani and I would would talk about draft. We would make, talk about how to spoof like all that mock draft stuff. Yeah, yeah, his big thing was, and he turned me on to this. Was like, oh man, he just fell in the draft. You're like, no, he no like no one no <laughs> one moved up. Like, there's only one draft. You are drafted where you're drafted. So you didn't right. fall. You didn't, you know, you, you could say you fell after you, maybe you were drafted. And then if we did a one-year or two- or three-year assessment and you re-rated, that's where you can rise and fall. But leading up mm-hmm. to 
you know, it's all just BS, speculation, whatever right. you want to call it. And, and not that there isn't good work or legitimate stuff being done when a guy moves down of, oh, we found this out about him, you know. Now, it's not all just GMs trying to, you know, put stuff out in the water. But there is yeah. no draft stock. There's one draft, yeah. so there's no real draft stock. So and but and the, and and, and, I, and like also there's there's no there's no reach. Like if if you if you get a good player, you know, like yeah, even if you even if you maybe you could have gotten him later, if he pans out, it's like yeah, like good. You got him in round two. I mean, you, you just got to get good players. So and in addition to what I um, you know, draft stock stuff. I believe, in, in my uh, you know un, unknowledgeable opinion, we've been due for a market correction on running backs. Am I wrong? Like when we yeah. went two or three years where none of them were drafted in the first round, and it became the well, if you got a good offensive line and you got a good system, you know, uh-huh. you should be able to hand it to anybody and they get four yards. I, I think we were due for a little bit of a market correction of like, no, there's probably one or two elite backs of every draft that should go in either the first or second round. Yeah, you see yeah, that? That's, yeah. I agree, and it, it yeah it, it corrected in the draft, and it corrected uh, like in the in the on the market too, because you know like a couple there's been a lot of huge deals like Demarco Murray, who right. actually so far has been terrible. He got a huge deal. LaShawn McCoy got a bunch more new money when he went to Buffalo, so it's like I think that the, they're definitely getting revalued. All right, so week one, I, yeah, I would say again, judging from a more outsider's perspective. Week one, it would have been nice to win, but the Redskins, you know, what they rolled out was very close to what you and others were expecting them to roll out. Mm-hmm. Without going into overreaction that is natural in the NFL, because we always have to, you know, dissect after a week, and we all, you know, yeah. we have a whole week to talk between between games. Where does week two put you? What what? How much do you change? It, obviously, it was nice to watch as a fan. But as a fan slash analyst, as as you've sort of embraced the role, where where does it put you on week two? I mean, I think you you know that's a good point. You you, you can't. It's still super early. We're one eighth of the way through the season. But you know what I've been saying, I guess on Twitter is is like I had like this big dramatic tweet about how I was I was wrong about that game and I was wrong about the team. And that might might have been a little theatrical, but like. I think I was wrong about the team, not because I think that, oh, now they're just going to go on this run and start doing this regularly. I mean, I still don't – I think they're uh, you know, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're probably not going to finish 500. I, I don't think much of that has changed. But I didn't really think they were capable of, of, winning, that, of winning a game like that the way they did, meaning, number one, just, just like kind of sacking up in the fourth quarter and, and closing, which was sweet, but also just kind of like doing what they – said they wanted to do all year like what the GM Scott McLuhan said he wanted to emphasize it's just like being tough and nasty and kind of like you know out physical in the other team they really did they uh it was it was impressive so I mean I thought it was it surprised me or it impressed me because I just I didn't think they were capable of it really even once um so the fact that they've done it makes you think well huh a couple of those games on the schedule that look like thrashings maybe now they're um you know, maybe now they'll be competitive. Right. And, and I'll say this. I mean, I think there's eight 2-0 and o teams, right? And only maybe three or four of those looked really impressive doing it. You know, the Packers, mm-hmm. only one or two yeah, others. I mean, like Dallas is 2-0, and o and they don't look anything Well, d- right and now. Dallas, I would say they earned their wins, but now you look right. at them depleted and you're not scared. I mean, I again, I'm always down here watching Carolina. They're 2-0, and o, 
with wins over you know the Texans and the and the uh, Jaguars that were right. so they're they're good NFL wins. Be a little bit tougher and a little bit smarter than the other team, but they they certainly weren't anything of like well they're going to run away with people. Um, right. Denver is two and zero, and you know they got extremely lucky in their in their last win. So it is mm-hmm. a little bit of a reminder of how. I mean, that's one of the reasons the NFL is great. Great for TV viewing, great for gambling, great for everything is any given Sunday. Yeah, yeah, but even beyond that, it's you you were probably accurate in seeing the Redskins as a six and eight team. Now, mm-hmm. when you watch them play, that means you think when you look at the the big picture, you think six and eight. That means if if you see them on sort of a losing team side and you have them playing a winning team, they're always going to lose, right? And that's just right, not going to exactly. be the case, you know. Exactly. The Rams probably are a nine and seven team or an eight and eight team, so they may be a little right. bit better than the Redskins. But you know, the, the it's not college football. The right. the talent disparity is not great. Other than the the uh, the running back, you know, maybe making a, an announcement of "I'm here," announcing his presence mm-hmm. with authority, as we like to say in from mm-hmm. the Bull Durham, uh, and obviously Kirk Cousins being effective, the overused game manager is there. But I mean, that's that's pretty much what you want to see: high completion percentage, no turnovers, and right. mo- move the ball along. Um, what else impressed you about the you know either on an individual level or as far as a position group basis of the win? Uh, you know, I mean, the, the offensive line was, was great. That's not that's not some kind of epiphany. I mean, like it, everybody's seen that they, they they've been really they've overachieved. They did seem to be very effective against Miami's really strong front seven and, and really effective again against uh, St. Louis's excellent front seven. So uh, one stat I saw uh, was that Matt Jones, for all that yardage he got, um, uh, he had. Uh, he averaged 4.7 yards per carry before contact, which is uh, right around twice the league average. So, so he was doing a lot of that damage, like because he was untouched for you know, right. almost five yards right. on average. So that they really held up. Trent Williams, I wanted to mention in particular. I mean, he's he's a captain. He's I, I guess the most you know the highest played player on the team. Most sure. people agree he's the best player on the team. I think he's maybe the toughest player on the team based on a lot of injuries he's played through, but he, uh, he lost a bunch of weight in the off season and it looked like it was going to be a contract year. So he's got a deal done since then, but like he's playing his ass off, no sacks given up in the first two games. And he had Quinn, uh, yesterday and shut Quinn out. So, um, he just looks, I mean, he could be all pro this year. Quinn's kind of a beast just to watch. Yep. He's an awesome player, but uh, he didn't, you know, he he didn't really do much against Trent Williams. He didn't, and the and the uh, the, the whole Rams defensive line. Now, I know they gave up what thirty one to the um, to the Seahawks, and then mm-hmm. points early. Yeah, not a crazy number of points overall to the Redskins, but they jumped out early. So they had, uh, I think, they had six sacks against Seattle, but the Redskins held them to two sacks, and they were both like mainly coverage sacks. All right, what got you more excited? Uh, Obviously, it was cool. The Redskins jumped out. I believe it was seventeen nothing, but you know, clearly, like jumped out early. And then this happens in the NFL all the time too, where you know, seventeen nothing's great, and it looks like you're just pounding a team. But ultimately, you're two scores away from this being a tight game. And mm-hmm. so, were you more impressed with the way that the Redskins jumped out and looked like a really good team against a team, a defense that many people are impressed with, or did it impress you more? 
when when the momentum seemed to be swinging back the other way, they sort of buckled down and didn't blow them away, but said, no, we're, when they played like an experienced sort of veteran team and, and didn't wilt when the momentum went against them. Yeah, I, I mean, both both were unlikely, but definitely the latter, because that's just their M.O. And, I mean, the, the Redskins have been bad for a long time, and, and you know, mainly bad in both halves, but like not always a joke in the first half. Uh, but usually a joke in the second half. So that was that was. I mean, to see them like kind of hold off that third quarter charge when the Rams got ten un- unanswered points, that was you know that was a real statement that I think like, hey, we're going to win a few games this year. Yeah, I th- that's one where I think uh, fans have no idea exactly what goes on is the whole halftime adjustments. Now, obviously, you could oh, yeah. you know, it, there's clear at times you're like, man, we're a team where I really feel like. We get you know better after halftime, or it seems like we learned something. But I I don't think fans actually grasp what it is. You know how much of it is going back to your guys and saying, guys, we've got the right schemes, play mm-hmm. harder. And how much of it is, all right, scrap what we did, you know, here because mm-hmm. it's clearly working. But we've seen this. Their their safety is making this move every time. So we need to, you know, I, I don't know football X's and O's enough. Did you? You know, obviously, you if you gained some confidence in Matt Jones, you gained some confidence in the offensive line, uh, the defense. We haven't talked about specifically, but I'm assuming you know you're you're proud of their effort. And, they've been they've been great. I mean, I think the ten points both games, right? I mean, or yeah, I basically, I mean, the the Miami had a punt return in the first game, but defense has been yeah, really yeah, good. That's true. Did you feel like did did you give any credit to the coaching staff for being like, hey, you clearly saw something and or made adjustments? You know, w- either of those cross your mind. You gonna want to give them a little bit of credit, even as we talk about guys who could fill their jobs if they were gone. <laughs> oh, I mean, b- bunch of credit, like for the whole game. I, I don't know that you know. In, in this case, it's an unusual situation being up seventeen points going into half. So I, I mean, I'm not sure that they like did any awesome scheming, you know, in the locker room because. The Rams did come out and kind of like steal that momentum back, but like just just to hang on, it, it was a the game plan was great. The play calling was good. They were just going to try and ground pound, blah blah blah, and they did it. Like it, uh, they did a lot of three tight end sets, which you don't see a lot. That was a little bit of a surprise. They ran towards the three tight ends and away, like almost half and half. So um, that was like yeah, definitely hats off to coaches on both sides in this game. I was very impressed. That was much better than usual. And Redskins got to start two games at home. I'm I'm kind of one of those, especially in, in pros. I I value the home advantage less. I mean, obviously, you'd always rather mm-hmm. be playing at home or road. Um, but more than going on the road, well, how, how do you look at the Giants' game in general? The Giants are a team who have now blown two games. Sort of, um, I wouldn't even call yeah. them. I, I I don't even know how I'd quantify their losses, but they've been odd. And as fans, they've had to be hair pulling to watch uh do, do you have a scent i mean is this do you feel like you're going to see more of the redskins from week one or from week two when they play at the giants week three which actually comes on that short week too yeah it's, it's tough because it's like i mean you really I, I don't know if you know i don't feel like i, I have a good handle on this 2015 yet i mean the context here is that the redskins for years have been just atrocious in prime time um and uh, bad on Thursday night in particular, and bad at the Meadowlands in particular. And even last year, they had like a nice win, and then they went and played the Giants on a Thursday night and got blown out. So, I mean, like history says this could get ugly fast, but like, I mean, I don't know. You know, they kind of, if we're saying they made a statement, 
this week and it's a new team. Like it would really, it's it's definitely an opportunity to say, hey, this is not the same old Redskins. So here's um, what I worry about: you get you're going against a veteran coach who I like. I don't necessarily mean I'd hire him or I love him yeah. this year, but I like yeah. Tom Coughlin. I mean, he was, oh, he's, he's won two Super Bowls, so so I'm yeah, not absolutely. I'm not a genius coach. to say Tom Coughlin's a good coach. But you got an experienced coach, a quarterback that you like enough, and a team that's now. 0 and two, feeling like they should could easily be two and zero, and and at least you know one and one. Mm-hmm. So there is every reason to think the Giants, you, you know, will be telling themselves in the locker room, "Hey guys, we're 0 and two. If it's 0 and three, our ahead. season's over." Like yeah. in in the want to, will, need, whatever that factor is, everything lines up for the Giants. Whereas the Redskins mm-hmm. are one and one. Wouldn't yeah. have been below expectations to be zero and two, and and certainly are coming off feeling like they had a for fans a performance more than they would have expected for the team, sort right. of to the high end of what we're hoping to get. Everything goes for the Giants, sort of bouncing back in here. So I would say this: yeah. I, I'm picking the Giants, but if the uh-huh. Redskins go on a short week and and do something impressive in New in New York, then maybe we've got you know a, a well, whatever. It's still it's still the third right. game, but you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, totally agree. I don't know. I mean, I this time last week I would have said Redskins big underdog, but um, I don't know. I haven't seen the line. Have you? I'm not sure. I think it could go either way for sure. Nah, I got a buddy who watches the line, so I'll know this. All right. I know traditionally. This is another just curious question from an outsider. I know traditionally. The Redskins and the Cowboys are the are the big like I hate them whatever. Are mm-hmm. are you as a fan? Are you like the Cowboys are my biggest rival? Or because you know New York has had more success recently, they won Super Bowls, or they got a flasher quarterback. Philadelphia, <laughs> like are, are 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 the Cowboys your number one rival, or are the Giants or another division foe, or somewhere else, someone else in the NFL? Is there is there someone else that's sort of like man, I love to beat those guys and I hate to lose to those guys. It's, it's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of lined up with the narrative there. It's like you got the, the Cowboys. That's just your thing. If you're a Redskins fan, you got to really want to beat the Cowboys. And even if your season's a disaster, if you get at least one off the Cowboys, then that's like you know, almost, almost legitimizes. The All right, so thing, it's that big year. in pro sports. We're like, yeah. if you go six and ten, but but you went two and zero against the Cowboys, it almost feels like a winning season. Is it? Is it that big? I, yeah, it's not quite like that. But when Colt McCoy beat the Cowboys last year, it was—I mean, it, it did like almost kind of made the whole season worth watching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but good question because Redskins fans, a lot of them really, really extra hate the Giants these days too because their owner um, John Mara was like this sort of like arch villain to like Snyder and the Redskins recently with a couple things, including that huge bogus uh, salary cap penalty uh, a couple years back. And then the Eagles are just a super hateable team. Um, so you know, they look terrible. I mean, so that's good. Good for your division. Yeah, good thing. Good thing. The division don't look good. I mean, the Cowboys yeah, look like they could be a good team. But totally no, up for grabs. but no Romo yeah. is like who, whatever. You bring it. You know. But for me, in answer to your other question, the the um, the non division NFC team that I can't stand is the Seahawks. Man, I hate the Seahawks. Interesting. Why is that? Uh, they, they're, they've knocked the Redskins out of the playoffs. I think their last two times they've been in it. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, they're, they're super. I mean, Richard Sherman, come on. And Russell <laughs> Wilson with the Sierra. And 
Carroll. Oh my gosh, the Seahawks fans are insufferable. Right, now, hold on, now, now, hold, on hold on, hold on. We're breaking this down because you just name names. So Richard Sherman, what you what what do you not like about him? just all the talk? Just talk, talk. I mean, he's a great player, but the talk. Oh my gosh. But I feel like some of his talk is like anti. Or yeah, smarter than your average trash talker talk. You know what I mean? He's a smart guy in the whole Stanford thing, yada yada. But like, don't you just want to hit him? I, I I'll I'll be honest about this. And again, maybe this has come from North Carolina, where we get a little bit of Russell Wilson overload because he went to NC State. But like Sherman, I feel like he got the sense of like, whoa, man, I've been real hot in the in the news right now. Let me dial it back a little. Like I, I like to talk, yeah. but I don't want to be known. For every quote I give, and, and when he got real hype, he wrote it for a little bit, but I feel like maybe dialed it back, you know? Yeah. Whereas I am suffering from Russell Wilson fatigue personally, and, and I think other people right are. Now. I mean, like, yeah. Rodgers take a shot on him after the, you know, saying God was on the Packers side. Right. That's not the move that I would make, but I think it is an <laughs> expected move what, yeah. If you're Russell Wilson and you put everything out there and, and you know, it's all, you know. So I, and what about the concussion water, the magic bubbles? Uh, d- again, again I, North Carolina Radio, who have been the biggest. Seriously, there there are shows and fans in here. I'll bet if you did one of those. Um, this used to be cool to look at years ago. The, the You can look at the NFL map of where you got your national games, but then sort of where the regional game, where what game is televised where on Fox or CBS. Mm-hmm. For a couple of years, you would see this is kind of cool, actually. The Chargers, especially in that afternoon game, like the when the Panthers were out of the mix, it's like who are you going to get? The Broncos with Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. or you know, what, which West Coast team is bigger for you? For a while, you would see the whole like East Coast or South would get, you know, the Colts afternoon game in the AFC. But Raleigh in Raleigh, they'd show the the Chargers a lot because so rivers. many people loved Rivers. NC State yeah. fans love Rivers, and now and it's also because they they're really good too. Overwhelmingly, right. it's the Seahawks, so we get a lot of them. So a lot of Seahawks, a lot of uh, Russell Wilson fans. But mm-hmm. with the recovery water, there was a lot of uh, e- even people who were like, "Dude, I, I'm with you on the." I like people, you know. I like this is an area that lo- likes their golfers to talk, you know, give glory to God, and they're okay mm-hmm. with people giving glory to God. Mm-hmm. But when you're throwing the recovery water and then doubling <laughs> down, and then again, it's it's not even this is people that would support what you're doing with Sierra, but the, the fact that it becomes a headline, it's just too much, yeah. you know. It's just uh, you know, so there is definite Russell Wilson fatigue, and I can I, I can feel any it. fan base I mean, that I, I hates wanted him. to like him. I wanted to like him, but you just kind of and I mean, I definitely I'm all I'm all about the guys giving glory to God, but like, absolutely, yeah, it's just too much. Um, no, no, I think so too. And then, yeah, when when you mix Sierra and then, yeah, so. Uh, so Giants, Eagles, Cowboys. Okay, it, it is interesting to hear you talk about it because it, to, the way you describe beating rivals sounds to me like a collegiate thing. Where that is absolutely true, you know. Well, you know, let's make another important distinction. I feel that way largely as a function of being a Redskins fan, where we usually don't play for meaningful. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true. That's titles, true too. Okay? So, that's like, true too. I have to talk myself into like. A reason to, to, you know, a way to justify the hours upon hours I spend watching and reading this team. So if I'm only going to get four wins, then like, yeah, I need one of them to be in Dallas. Yeah, but I, I honestly, as much as I'm sort of, you know, pressing you on it, I think it's like a good thing and a cool thing about sports because I do think that's the collegiate model of like, 
wins have different levels for you. And and whether whatever the sport is, you know, there are college teams where they'd say, yes, obviously we'd always rather have more wins than fewer. We'd rather be competing for national titles. But if we're in a rebuilding year, or even if we're just in a crappy year, if we can beat our rival, it means mm-hmm. so much more. It, 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 yeah. it makes a six and eight season look different. Um, yeah. And and I can say from you know down in my area where I watch the Panthers, that's just not the case. It's either playoffs or not. And and I kind of mm-hmm. I identify with, think it's cool, and envy a little bit of. Yeah, sure. We'd rather have ten wins, but we always we also recognize there are you know. Uh, uh, cyclical elements to it, and in years mm-hmm. where we're not great, man, if we can steal two off the Cowboys, it just feels mm-hmm. so good. Especially, <laughs> or even in the in the manner that you do it, you know, it's either yeah, beating them to prevent them to go for the playoffs, or come from behind win, or however it does, just adds more sweetness to the beating the rival. I, I think that's one of the best parts about sports. I've got to share with you my conversation with David Cutcliffe that now that I'm trying to remember the actual quotes, it's not going to be as cool and it's not going to be profound, but it's a little (laughs) bit, I felt it was cool because A, even though I work in sports media in some sense, it still feels cool to me to talk to uh, coaches and players, not just to talk to them. I've kind of, that doesn't feel necessarily cool anymore, but when they talk to me, as a person, not just because I'm mm-hmm. with my media outlet, it feels cool. Right. And yeah. David Cutcliffe is one of those people. He's a great person that we've, you know, we've talked so often that he regards me as a person, not just another member of the media that is serving a function. Yeah. Awesome. So the background is we, you and I have talked about, you know, if you could fill the, the Redskins position and maybe we specifically were talking about, are there any college coaches you would like? And you talked about how you liked Gus Malzahn. You like, he feels competent, although maybe you should you know, watch. <laughs> yeah, watch. Right <laughs> exactly. How much you going to watch Malzahn at the end of this year? But no, I, I'm with you. Seems like an intelligent guy. Seems like a good leader. Seems to have a good knowledge of, you know, football as it is now, but also is somewhat forward-thinking and realizing how the game's evolving. So you've talked about those are reasons you like him as a coach. This yeah. past week, you tweeted at me, you know, you know, another guy that you would consider would be Duke's David Cutcliffe. And yeah. I said, I don't, you know, I don't think he would take it, but I absolutely would endorse the pick. Part of the reason I didn't think he would take it was because I thought he was older than he was. David Cutcliffe mm-hmm. just turned 61 last week. And yeah. that is a guy who, for... Folks who don't know or don't follow Duke football closely, he was the offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach, one of the two, or both, for Peyton Manning at Tennessee. He was the head coach for Eli Manning at Ole Miss. Yeah. At Ole Miss. So he's sort of known as the Manning whisperer or the quarterback guru. He then moved mm-hmm. to Duke, and I won't go into the details of what it, what Duke was actually like and just to see firsthand what he has done to turn around that program. But more yeah. than just results, you've seen the way he went about it. Not just, oh, man, he's a great guy, but knowing things to do, like bringing the Mannings onto campus and, and you know, and, and how to get out in the media and just other things where a lot of things you talk about, it's like, man, this guy is competent and sharp. And it doesn't mean mm-hmm. he would roll out the same game plan if, if he were an NFL coach. But it does mean you believe that he could create a game plan as a smart right. guy, as a caring guy, as a good leader, and would develop yeah. a plan. So I said to you, yeah. absolutely. 
So I said to you, I'll ask David Cutcliffe, you know, mm-hmm. what he would think. And I said, that's sort of cocky to just throw out there that I get to talk to David Cutcliffe every week. <laughs> but the, the other joke was, you would think, all right, I'm going to ask David Cutcliffe, will he take the Redskins job? And his answer is going to be a stock answer of, well, I'm always open to, to Jobs Hayes. It's, it's a great organization. I'd love to hear whatever. If he's going to say anything specifically about it, it's going to be very, you know, noncommittal. And it was. Yeah. And again, his answer won't surprise you. What it's it's making me mad now, and I'm I'm honestly talking about this is not an, an on air interview. This is when David Cutcliffe calls me to do an interview on our show. Right. We have uh, 90 seconds where we talk off the air. Coach, how you doing? Blah blah blah. You know. And I said specifically, I said, Coach, I got a buddy who runs a Redskins blog. He's got a little <laughs> following, and he named you. The, I wish you, I could have taped it. You would heard it. Said he, you know, and he's he said Gus Malzahn is one of the the college coaches he'd look at. But recently this week, he said, you know what? Hayes, your buddy down there in North Carolina, David Cutcliffe is another one that he'd be interested in. So, Coach, I told him I'd ask you, would you take the Redskins job? And I wish I could remember his first answer where because he, he didn't just say something like, "Well, I'm happy where I am, Hayes," but I'm you know it was it was more I mean it was less you know nuanced or rehearsed than that. But but he basically said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy where I am. I actually would like to press him more on because I don't think he would take another college job. I don't think he has any uh-huh. interest in being involved in college athletics and having other people doing dirty stuff on your behalf. Or even if you're not doing it, you just kind of know that it's got to be done to compete, whatever. But I do think as a guy who just turned 61, he would at least consider a uh, uh, an, an NFL position. And he said flat out, and again, it's – I built this up like it's going to be something profound, but he said, "He said I'll tell you, you know, when they change up ownership, I believe they will start to get much better candidates for that position." Hayes, he said, "That's a, it's a <laughs> he said it's a great job, and as long as that family is in ownership, I just don't think they're going to get the type of candidates." And I honestly, I don't, I don't think he, he didn't say don't share that. You know, I don't think I'm yeah. betraying any confidence. And again, right. it's it's not profound to hear. That's an interesting answer. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good climax there. I mean, the problem is, you know, <laughs> barring some terrible tragedy that I would hate myself for rooting for. Right. Like Dan Snyder is a young guy and he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Nah, it but, it I mean, doesn't. Like, it's an interesting answer that he said, though. It was. Uh, to, to me, the two things were it came so quickly. We're almost hmm. like he's thought like of it it's before. Not the first time it ever crossed his mind. Exactly. Or the other thing is, I guarantee you, he's dialed into other coaches that you would care about. Again, I, if, right. if, if you don't love David Cutcliffe or you think I'm a homer, that's fine. I don't care. I'm not interested in selling you on how good a leader and how great a person he is or what you think right. my angle is here. I, I don't care. But it yeah. is interesting for for me. I can say that to me suggests that he knows that other peers of him and other people I think that you would have respect for mm-hmm. automatically just not when, when they're talking to their Absolutely. agents and they say, yeah. "Hey, when this when this upseason calls, I might be on the coaching carousel." Well, you know, yeah. go ahead and take Texas out of the mix because they just fired an AD. I have no idea what's going on there. Take Redskins off the mix. I'd never take that job. <laughs> take the, you know, I, I think the, the, the top candidates Absolutely. do Absolutely. that. And, and, and it, it's just, it was as natural to him. And again, he didn't say it, you know, as if he's got some personal beef with them. It was, he said it, it was right. as if it was just the truth in, in coaching circles. We're like, well, no, no, no great coach who cares deeply about his long term career is going to, to start there. And yeah. I know more about this from the college side. Brent, like, um, I, I do know that that means something. That there are, 
you know, I, NFL world, I don't know as well. But absolutely, if you know, let's say you're the coach at Oregon. Let's say you're the basketball coach at Oregon. Or hell, even take you went to UVA. Take Tony Bennett. I guarantee you, Tony Bennett, when he gets a UVA job, he does his own due diligence. He looks at UVA, whatever. He's going to call three or four. Sometimes they're ADs in the ACC. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are legitimately media members who he respects, mm-hmm. not people that you would necessarily think. That you know, Tony Bennett's going to go find somebody that he knows is either a you know, beat writer in Virginia or you know, somebody with respect and credibility mm-hmm. and say, hey, what's Virginia about? What's this about? And, and yeah. look at the answers of like, their AD's this, they're willing to commit this, that this, this is a career-furthering job for you. And I right. think right now the, the Redskins job is thought of as a not a career furthering job. You know, no. it's it's a it's a high risk, low reward job. And and so No man, they say the Redskins are like a reverse car wash because you come in clean and go out dirty. <laughs> exactly. And and for a lot of coaches, especially let's say you're trying to hire the next young thing or even a Malzahn, who's, you know, not young but also not, you know, worn out, he's thinking well, I could. You're more likely to get a guy like Spurrier who says, "Well, I could go there for three years, and if I fail, I'll still be able to get a million dollars a year as a college coach." You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not right. going to get the young guy who's going to worry about is this going to leave a, a mark on my career that I'll never be able to to undo. And so that that right. it, you know, whatever it just it you are taken out of the canon of a certain pool of coaches doesn't mean you couldn't ever get a great one, but it 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 hurts your chances. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I learned from David Cutcliffe this week. Give me the Emerson update. What's up? So he got he got cut a few hours ago. Uh, coming into the season, that would have looked like a pretty, I think, a pretty big upset. I mean, most people thought he would have. He wasn't likely to be a starter after they added Culver this offseason, but like most people thought he would play. He's been pretty, just pretty, pretty bad. Um, and so he's a big bust. He is now the the earliest drafted player in the 2013 draft to be cut by his initial team. Um, and it's just a shame. I mean, he was he's one of those he's a very polarizing prospect because he killed it as a junior. Yep. He was awful as a senior. Yep. I think was he a senior or did he come out as a No, he was a senior. The the talk yeah. was that he, he was, was a young senior though. Yeah, the talk was he was as good as he was junior year. Mm-hmm. And then you had to hope the senior year was about an agent or somebody else telling him, "Hey, right. don't get hurt. Your 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 draft stock is secure." Don't worry about it. That 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 was the, yeah. the the rumor sort of surrounding him in North Carolina. Well, he was like, you know, I had I, I looked looked at the draft a little that year, and I really did not want him. And I I I blogged and tweeted. I actually said beforehand he was like one of the few players I I really did not want. So sure enough, they took him with their first with their earliest pick that year, and it was a shame. I mean, there were moments when like he would kind of you know he had that size and all the measurables. Yep. And he would flash a little bit, but he just could not put it together and. They couldn't trust him. You know, you can't. He was getting beat on double moves and just not, uh, not disciplined in his in, in his responsibilities. So that was that. He's gone, and uh, I mean, you could tell the writing was on the wall because he got zero snaps on defense on Sunday, and they played a six-round rookie, Kaishon Jarrett, over him. He played a bunch, and then they added this journeyman, Will Blackman, a few days beforehand, and he got five or six. Snap, so it was like that you could just tell Emerson was not in the plan. Yeah, I'm you know, without speaking to that move specifically, I, I am kind of about bold moves. It's like 
if you know he ain't mm-hmm. playing, get him out. You, you know what I mean? Yep. Don't don't let him hang around. There's a chance that he'll get pissed and p- piss somebody else off. And, you know, Amerson's one of those. I, I can't uh, – again, I, I would be fronting and pretending like I was more of a in-the-know, involved media member than I am to speak about these guys. <laughs> but I do think there's a level of if you want to know about a guy – Go to find find somebody who covered in college, covered him in college, mm-hmm. and, and that's tough to say too, because there's there's beat writers who are a little more, you know, pump up my beat, and there's you know you, you got mm-hmm. you got to know some guys, but yeah. um, Logan Thomas is a guy who came out of Virginia Tech, who mm-hmm. reminds me of the way you describe Emerson. Like every time he goes to a. Uh, a, a trial or a combine, the dude is going to measure out. He's yeah. got a huge arm. He's a big dude. He's strong, whatever. And everybody who watched Logan Thomas play was like, no, man, no, no, do not do it. Unless you're talking about converting him to tight end and maybe taking a, you know. And I'm not saying that was the same about Amerson. Uh, another guy, yeah. let, let go in the opposite direction, and you saw him this weekend, and he did have a great game, but Aaron Donald. I, I can't remember yeah. if he was uh, Rookie of the Year last year, but he was great on the Rams line last year. Right. And he was a yeah. guy who never graded out. He was undersized. Yeah. He's you know, and, and everybody yeah. in the ACC was like, dude, I'm telling you. Like, I, 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 I'm not claiming I know NFL. I just know yeah. he works hard. <laughs> he he, he balls, knows things. Yeah. He balls out. You know, it's like, I, you know, and so, uh, again, I, I can't tell you the, the consensus on Amherst. I, I think it was more of an unknown. I think it was he had a good junior year. Everybody was saying – Man, he did really, really did not look good senior year. But you, you right. didn't know what to put it on. You didn't know. Yeah, I think they were they were drafting his ceiling, but he just never got anywhere near it. No, it's amazing how much that happens in the NFL drafting yeah. on on all the the measurables. And, and I mean, Logan Thomas. I again, this is going way too specific. They, they had so many quarterback problems in the Cardinals last year when they made the playoffs. Somebody got hurt, and they named Logan Thomas a starter on like Tuesday of the playoff game, and yep, unnamed yep. him the starter by like Thursday before the game started. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute, this is just not going to happen. So, I mean, I think Amerson <laughs> is kind of like that case where pe- people aren't idiots. There's a reason that people still have jobs because they've realized a guy who didn't do great in college but has X height and X weight and X wingspan is going to translate when you throw him around other good professional players. But but it also doesn't mean that just because a guy has a certain height and a certain weight and a certain speed that they're always going to translate. So Amerson right. probably the latest example of that. 